Welcome to the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morse. Today, I have a very, very special guest in my house. It's been a long time in coming. A really close friend of mine, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Matt Skiba. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Toby. Um, <clears throat> so for the listeners who might not be familiar with Matt Skiba, we're going to learn his history pretty quick here. But uh, we met, I want to say we met in New York City at Continental Divide. Continental, Continental. I don't know if it was called Continental Divide, just the Continental Club, right? Yeah, I forgot. I don't know we who on, it was. It was, um, uh, I think Murphy's Law was playing. Maybe makes sense. Um, and we had a show the night before in the city, and had a night off, and we met actually uh, outside of the Continental. Okay. Um, and you were wearing a laminate with Max's picture on it. He had just been born, I think. Wow, this is and I, okay. and I met your wife. I'm actually met um your wife before i met you okay when she was pregnant with max yeah um i was smoking a cigarette back <laughs> when i smoked cigarettes good story and um we were at uh i think peaches uh we were at a show uh in la we were at the um uh wiltern okay and there's this like side smoking area thing where everybody would smoke cigarettes I'm out there smoking and Moon was sitting outside with, you know, she's like six or seven months pregnant. Yes. And I'm smoking a cig and she's talking to my wife at the time. Uh, and I didn't notice she was sitting there and that she was pregnant and the, and all, my cigarette smoke was going into her face. And she's like, hey, bro, can I get one of those? And I go to hand her a cigarette, notice that she's pregnant and <laughs> I'm being a total asshole. Um, <laughs> That's Moon. But I just thought of this. What was she doing in the smoking section? But she was hanging out with my wife, and I was being—I wouldn't have lit up a cigarette uh, had I seen any pregnant woman, regardless of who she is. So yeah. um, that's how we met. We like—I re remember her from Chicago, but we didn't. Re we ran with different crowds in the punk scene. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I met Moon right before I met you. Yeah, so I think that had to be maybe like around two thousand three or four, because that's when Max was just born. So that's a long time ago. Yeah, Very long time ago. Um, so yeah, for the listeners, obviously if people don't know, uh, Skiba was born in Chicago. Um, and you, we were just talking a few minutes ago and we started, but I wanted to restart because I thought there was some issues with the podcast, but real quick, <laughs> what, what part, you what don't part, need to tell them everything. Well, I can edit that out. Uh, so what, what part of Chicago were you born in? Uh, I was born in the, in, uh, what, what area of the city? Yeah. I was outskirts. Was it? No, I was born at Cook County hospital in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, I grew up. Uh, I moved out to the suburbs when I was two. My parents stayed in the city, and then I lived alone in a house I bought when I was two. Um, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> my parents, my parents moved us out to the suburbs, um, and uh, yeah, my mom worked at Cook County Hospital for a long time. I was born there, and then grew up in uh, the township of McHenry, which is in McHenry County. Nor it's northwest of the city. Uh, about an hour from from Chicago, where yeah. I spent most of my youth going to punk shows. Yeah. So how was it before that? Before you got exposed to punk and stuff, how was it growing up? Like how how were you in school? How were you as a kid? Um, I was. Uh, I I don't know. It, it's weird. Like I went through. I was really good. Like as far as uh, grades were concerned, I was. Um, you know. A, straight a student in the things i was in interested in totally um art english i loved to read i loved to paint and sculpt and all the things we were doing back then um but math and uh you know biology all the all the sciences and stuff at the time 
uh, I had no interest in. So I would get by with, you know, a C. I would do the least yeah. amount of work um, that I wouldn't get grounded over. You know, D's were were a no-go yeah that was that was a, a non-starter for my folks so i was a c student um but a's in like i said art and english were you were your parents uh, was it a strict family it was yeah it was strict um like my parents we we had uh and thinking back on it it's really cool like my mom forced me and my sisters to play piano for three years which if she hadn't done that i probably wouldn't be sitting here right now yeah um, my mother introduced me to music and I played, I did the mandatory three years of piano. And then she said after that, you know, if you don't love it, you can quit, you can keep doing it, you can switch instruments. And so after three years, I kept getting lessons for another two years, I think. Yeah. Uh, but at that time I started playing, uh, drums and I played alto sax in the school band. Uh, and I started awesome. teaching myself bass and guitar to, uh, I remember the first song I learned on guitar was um, uh, the theme song for Maximum Overdrive by ACDC. I think it's called Trucks. It's like a, um instrumental song. And then uh, what was the other one? Um, Richard Hung Himself by D.I. Sick. That's awesome. So but I, was, I would just play like the vocal melodies on a guitar. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, how old were you then when you started uh, playing guitar? When I started, that was, I was probably... Uh, eight or nine it's freaking awesome it's early man that's yeah. awesome i mean my first the first punk show i went to i was 11 yeah that's what was when i questioned so what so what, what so what was your so obviously you went to your first punk show while you're in freaking school almost middle school actually if you're 11 yeah so yeah. going back to to uh just quickly like my parents um my mom made us play piano yeah uh but also at five o'clock every day seven days a week at five o'clock we had to be home for dinner family dinner my my parents my sisters all five of us um and and it was that was never really a hassle i mean i was we we have i have a you know a really close family and yeah. things like that i think help um you know promote a healthy family but my folks were um strict only when they realized how kind of wild i was okay um just in my nature i, I was just kind of an angry kid uh violent um, just not violent. Like I, I never bullied anybody, but definitely getting in a lot of fights. Um, and, uh, you know, just acting out in class and acting out at home. Yeah. Um, but I was always a very, uh, you know, I guess, um, compassionate person. My parents are very open-minded, very, you know, if I had to put a, a word on it, leftist or liberal. Yeah. Um, so I was raised by beautiful, beautiful parents that, uh, you know, they, they kept the reins pretty tight on us. We couldn't go out on school nights. Um, so anytime there was a show on a school night, uh, I would lie and go to, and go to show, get on the train and go to a show. Wow. Uh, so yeah, my parents were strict, um, but not, you know, they weren't, uh, cruel or it, it made yeah. sense. I mean, it was, it was, um, for, at the time. And given, you know, my behavior, I understand. Yeah, we always like that. Or was, was this something that made you become that way, like getting oh, a lot more wilder when you got in, in high school or something? Or was it you've always been like a wild kid? I was just always, uh, you know, hyperactive. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, I think a lot of uh, kids, especially in, in, 
you know, earlier punk rock. It's like the eighties punk rock scene was very different than it is now. For sure. Um, just different. I won't say better or worse. I'm just thankful. I, for me, it's better because it's my life and I got to see a, a time when, you know, punk rock was still dangerous. Yeah. Uh, I think when I discovered punk rock is when I, like, I think a lot of us hyperactive kids fell in love with that because it was a, a way to channel that emotion and that energy, you know, going, dancing at punk shows and yeah. getting in the pit and, and just the music itself was uh, was a release. So, um, but yeah, it, I think I, I was always a wild kid. And then as I got older, there were just, you know, names to put on it, like punk rock or drugs or, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Do you remember what your first show was? Yeah. My first, uh, the first show I went, the first show I went to show show ever uh, was the Judds with my parents when I was like six or something. Nice, the Judds. I remember it was the first time I smelled weed. Um, and, uh, uh, vaguely remember that it was not, you know, nothing to speak of, but the first like punk rock show I went to was public image limited. I was that, I was like 10, I think, uh, the first like real, I mean, public image was a punk rock show, but I went with my older cousins. Okay. So I was supervised the first time I went with friends and. Uh, I feel like it was like my real, like kind of the, um, uh, you know, rite of passage for a show was social distortion. That was first French kiss, first kiss, first fist fight. First time I ever got drunk, um, all in one night. Damn, that's amazing. And I, <laughs> and I realized what I wanted to do with my life when Mike walked out on, on the stage, it was yeah. like. Every girl in that place wanted to fuck that dude. Every dude in that True. place wanted to be him or fuck him. You know, it's like yeah. he was the shit, and and uh, you know, I, and still is. I love Mike. We've we've become, you know, friendly acquaintances. Yeah. I don't know him that well, but he's definitely a hero of mine. And and uh, so yeah, that was a big night in my life. Turning point for everything. Yeah. What, what grade were you in there? I think were you in high school then. I wasn't. Well, I was, was low. I was still eleven years old. No? I was actually. You know what? I was in high school, but I was like. A, I think I was a freshman. Yeah. Um, twelve or thirteen. Yeah. So I was like eleven. Yeah. For public image, and then um, like a freshman when I went to social D. So still being a wild kid, and still getting great grades, still like being home at five o'clock. A couple great grades, yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you, you end up graduating though, right? Yeah. And then did you have? Obviously, it was music since you saw Mike Ness and Social Distortion. We know that. But, like, did you have goals be- besides music when you were in school? Or, like, was there a vision of what you want to do when you get out of school? Uh, I I played a lot of soccer. Okay. Um, I was, when I was a freshman, <clears throat> I was the captain of the varsity soccer team. I have it written down right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's um, awesome. So I was a forward, and uh, when we were getting pummeled, I would get in the goal box. So I was a goalie and a center forward, which... I don't know how common that that is, but it w- certainly wasn't with our team or yeah. uh, our division or whatever. Um, but yeah, I was I got scholarships to CU Boulder, University of Utah, um, Iowa, whatever's in Iowa City, University of Iowa, um, some pretty like like Big Ten schools awesome. for sports um, wanted me to play soccer, so that was that was kind of an option. Um, and then, you know, I'd been skating, skateboarding is how I found out about punk rock, uh, Thrasher magazine. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd started playing music. Soccer was something that I, that I loved, um, and still love. 
uh, and I was snowboarding and competing um, semi-pro. Uh, so I was I I, I definitely Amazing. knew that I wanted to. Um, I, you know, I, I I knew that I was going to be a professional soccer player. I was yeah. good, but you know, it's just that wasn't something I was interested in. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and I was also you know, like I said, I, I loved uh, art. So I was going to maybe go to school for graphic design, which I ultimately ended up doing. Yeah. For a year. Um. All right. So now now you play music. Are you writing music in high school too? Are you writing like poetry? Because a lot of your songs. A lot of your lyrics are very poetic. And when did you start writing, like just writing stuff? Uh, I I was playing drums in the bands, like in my high school bands. I would write all the music. Yeah. I would write the lyrics, um, and ever and the music. Uh, but I played drums. Yeah, and Blunt and Jerkwater. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, the and Traders. traders. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't yeah. write. I didn't write the songs for the Traders, but. Um, uh yeah when i was in high school like we would play battle of the bands and i would awesome. you know uh we'd play like an original song and cover ned's atomic dustbin or sludgeworth or uh well i think it was those two yeah we played i think we played those every oh and the cars uh just what i needed yeah um neil diamond beautiful noise we did a punk rock cover of that That's awesome we we swept battle of the bands every year um but yeah i was writing I don't I don't remember um, doing any like creative writing on my own. Yeah. Uh, but songwriting for sure. I mean, I guess that that's creative writing, but songwriting uh, as far as just pen to paper writing. I didn't start doing that until years later. OK, but you can play so many instruments too, like drums, bass, guitar, everything. It's pretty amazing to have all that. You know what I mean? Start a young I can, music. Yeah. I mean, and again, thanks to my mom, I, I can pl I can get by. I mean, I. I can play everything enough to convey an idea to somebody that plays much better than I. Um, yeah. It's like, I, I'm not the greatest guitar player, but I can play a lot of other things too. I'm not the greatest anything player, but I, I know at least how to do it, you yeah. know, to get by. Yeah. Um, I know not, I know another impact on your life was uh, another state of mind. Huge. Such an amazing uh, movie doc. Yeah. When did you first see that? I saw one. I saw like on Nightline or something. There was a TV show. Night like flight. Night, Night flight. Yeah. That's where I saw. It. Yeah, I saw it on there, and I was like, "Holy shit!" You see, like the way they toured and everything, staying at the Discord house and in the bus, and just social distortion was so cool. This makeup and well, the beautiful thing, and I think you'll agree, like with punk rock, um, that film, uh, really, and and I had like an idea that you know, Misfits and Ramones, the music was so uh, simple, really. Yeah. Um, it made, I had this feeling like it still, you still needed to write great songs. Um, and obviously the, they're, they're all great play. They were tight bands and great players, but, yeah. um, it felt like something that not anyone could do, but that I could do. Yeah. And when I saw another state of mind, uh, I think that was huge for a lot of us. You know, it showed me, I can only speak for myself, but that film also a huge turning point where I started to consider, playing music for you know i don't know back then there weren't punk bands weren't making any money no. you know I, no. did, I certainly didn't get into it to make money and uh i just loved it and you know youth brigade and social d taught us all that you can do it yourself totally. and thanks to maximum rock and roll book your own fucking life you know yeah. stuff like that yeah uh that you know there was uh things available to us that allowed us to tour yeah. So yeah, that was another state of mind was like the, uh, um, you know, 
it's definitely like a, a huge impact um, on everything, you know? Yeah. Even if, 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 if you watch that, that thing today, watch the DVD, whatever today, it just brings back those memories and just when you were young and just seeing that for the first time and just, I don't know, it's amazing to see how far social D has come and I don't know, just how punk rock and everything's changed and. But back then, this was so DIY, just like... Yeah, them spray painting their own t-shirts. Um, so cool. Yeah, it was like, uh, you know, we started doing that. We started, you know, we didn't get an old school bus that broke down yeah. 18 times or whatever. <laughs> at, you know, we had a van and... Uh, um, but, it's, you know, it was, like I said, it just showed us we could do it. Yeah. Put your mind to it. And it's not, it's not easy. It's like, but like Sean and, uh, you know, all those guys just to have at such a young age to have that drive that to, to make it happen. Like no one else is going to do it for you. You have to do it. Yeah. Do it yourself. So, um, teachable, I guess was what I was looking for earlier, like a teachable moment seeing that film. And then, yeah, then those guys took it to BYO records and now punk rock bowling is still living that way in their own way. It's amazing, man. Yeah. How far they come. Um, all right. So after high school, you go to, you go to the Columbia art Institute. Is that what it's called? Uh, art Institute is a separate school. There's the okay. Art Institute of Chicago, and then Columbia College is where I went. Okay. Um, which is funny. I tell people I went to Columbia, and, like I, and I just let them think that it's the <laughs> Ivy League Columbia. Yeah, totally. Oh, wow. You went to Columbia? Yeah. Um, <laughs> why are you doing this? Uh, no. Yeah. Art school. Columbia College. And um, it was kind of... A, I mean... I had a great time. Uh, one of the big things that changed for me was uh, when I was a freshman at Columbia, there were no computers in the classroom. And I was doing graphic design was my major. Um, I, would, I figured I would eventually design album art for a yeah. record company. Um, and then things went digital and they were bringing in computers. And I, you know, even at that point i was like i don't want to sit in front of a computer screen all day like i'd i didn't own a computer at the yeah. time but i knew that staring at that screen gave me a headache watching tv for too long gave me a headache totally. uh and i just physically couldn't do it and mentally didn't have the capacity or desire to do it uh so when everything went digital i was like you know no time like the present got a job bike messengering so that i could leave anytime i wanted and yeah. come back and always have a job uh, and be able to start touring. That must have been brutal bike messenger in Chicago. It was. I mean, it, I was a lot younger. Yeah. So back then for me, it was more of an adventure. It definitely sucked at times, but yeah. um, I loved it. I mean, it, there there were days where it would be 40, 30, 40 below zero. And, um, you know, most places weren't open, but there was like the stock exchange had to stay open and like yeah. le law office law offices had to stay open or courtrooms or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and so a few of us that had the gear and the, uh, you know, the willingness to work in 30 below weather, uh, we, and I was one of those people, they'd give us a yeah. hundred bucks at the end of the day. That's a lot. Cause you're then. risking yeah. your, your, you know, you, uh, 30 seconds out in that and you're, you're, you get frostbite. Yeah. So, uh, and it's just really uncomfortable. It's yeah, so imagine. cold, yeah. so cold. It burns. I can imagine. Um, but yeah, when I was a kid, when I was, when I was young, it was like, um, I loved it. And it also made me work really hard at the band knowing that I did not want to be a bite messenger forever. Yeah. So a trio started at that point? Yes. So what year would that have been? That would be 96. 96, yeah. 
96. Um, yeah, we, we started the band and we were, um, I guess, it, you know, it, I, it took us like a, about a year, I guess, before we, we had something recorded yeah. and got a van, managed to get a van and, you know, actually dr- start driving, uh, out of state to play shows. Yeah. I remember the first show we played, um, outside of Chicago was, uh, in Dayton, Ohio. I remember Dayton, I yeah. Yeah. There's some good shows out there back in the day. Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, that's where Brainiac was from. Um, but yeah, they, there was a cool little scene there. We played in the house. Uh, our friend Jeremy, I think, uh, I lost track of him, but, uh, you know, fell out of touch. But we he, he brought us out to Dayton. We, uh, we were just playing just kind of around the Chicago area yeah. and, and slowly but surely, you know, making our way towards, uh, t- you know, touring yeah. the States and, and beyond. And who started that band? And did the guys come from any other bands you were in before that? Or was it just a whole new like group of people? Like mm. they weren't from those other bands. I right? was, it was friends. I mean, yeah. my, my buddy Rob, I grew up with, played bass, and um, uh, my friend Glenn. Like we were, we were all friends yeah. before before we. Uh, Glenn played in a band called Tommy Rot, which uh, was one of my favorite bands. Smoking Popes was kind of like the kings of that scene. Yeah. Um, they were from the next town over out, uh, they were in Chris from Crystal Lake, which is in McHenry County, McHenry County. Um, and then from the smoking popes, it was like somebody's brother was in this band. Tommy Rot was a part of that circle of friends. Um, and the, the uh, Elgin scene, there was a, there was a, um, archery range okay. in, uh, Elgin, Illinois, where they would do punk shows. And I met Dan, uh, Andriano from Slapstick and later Tuesday and and when Rob uh, our first bass player he chose to stay in school and you know had some other things just he just didn't want to tour yeah not not back then and uh, we had to go so it was like a we parted ways uh, with a handshake or a hug or whatever yeah. on good terms um, and then uh, you know Glenn uh, for, you know when he was in the band it was it was amazing we were we did everything ourselves just like it it was we were printing our own shirts yeah. in, in glenn and heather's uh kitchen awesome. you know so um yeah everybody was you know the the first when when trio really started touring danny had already joined the band um and uh, it was all people from the scene and people i grew up with yeah who named the band i did awesome Every band I've ever been in, uh, I used a dictionary. Okay, to That's uh, awesome. Yeah, to um, uh, to name the band, and I wanted something that that didn't sound like anyone else. I mean, yeah. there was the Denison Kimball trio, there was the Hate Fuck trio, um, there was a few trios, but in our kind of subgenre or whatever, um, there was no uh, there were no punk bands the something trio. So yeah. there was Dillinger Four. Yeah. I don't even know if they were a band yet. But yeah, Alkaline, sure Alkaline Trio. Um, I was just flipping through the through the dictionary, and I wanted I wanted the band to start with an A so that we would be at the top of every. I like that. Alphabetically, we would be be in the front or at the top of any Smart. list. So uh, and I hit, got to the word Alkaline Jerk Water, my old little high school band yeah. dictionary. That's awesome. Yeah. So what did I, what did your parents think about you, like quitting college and then like becoming a bike messenger and then starting the music were they worried about you or I yes. mean, you're, you're, you're an adult at that point but still no 
I mean, <laughs> I'm still not an adult. Uh, yeah, neither am I. But you know what I mean. No, no but you, yeah, it was. I was still a kid, but I was. I was out of my parents' house. I was living. I know what you mean. Um, what was the question again? It's like what they thought about like not going to college for. Oh art yeah, and- yeah. My dad. My they were both really concerned. You yeah. know, my my. I, and then I started getting. Ta- I started tattooing my hands. Um, you know, it was like the what bike messengering did for me. It was like we called them and maybe. St- still call them job stoppers yeah back then you know yeah um nobody had tattoos on their neck or their hands or whatever and so it was you know just that doing something that i didn't love was was not an option yeah so um yeah they were they were they were always pretty concerned about me and for good reason but um you know i feel like i at least i thought i always had it you know Mm -hmm. um and managed to get by with whatever it was but the bike messengering concerned my mom um, me quitting school, just my dad came from poverty and worked really hard to give us everything that he never had. Yeah. So college was really important to him. And when I dropped out, it was, he definitely felt, I think, betrayed a little bit. Yeah. Um, so it was, you know, it was a little awkward between us for a couple of years, but he didn't stop talking to me or, you know, yeah. it was, it was just, it was a little hard for that. I, I was definitely always, uh, uh, probably a pain in the ass for them. Yeah, but we turned out wonderful, though. Thank you. Um, so when your band started playing shows, I'm sure they came to your shows and saw they actually doing some some stuff, right? After yeah, when, once we started playing Metro, um, they would they started coming to shows. Yeah. I mean, it was there was a time in my life where I didn't. They wanted to come see my apartment in Chicago, and I lived in Humboldt Park. There were bu- literally bullet holes in my front door of my building. Damn. Like we, li- we lived in, in gangland. I mean, any yeah. of those, those, um, that series, I forget on vice. Uh, it's not vice. Oh. It's uh discovery channel, I think, or, okay. um, they, uh, the, whatever the gangland series is like nine out of 10 of those episodes are Humboldt park and South side, you know, Chicago yeah. is just it's no joke. huge, huge gang town. So yeah, I lived right in the, right in the war zone between, uh, Latin Kings and Gangster Disciples. And they were literally shooting across. I lived right on Division Street. And Division Street in Chicago is called Division because it used to divide the Irish and the Italian mob. Wow. And later went on to divide, you know, different sets. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even down in Cabrini Green, Division cuts right down the middle of, um, you know, cuts down towards the lake where it's like you're not quite downtown, but just north of downtown and Cabrini was right before all the, you know, big buildings and everything and division street, even back before they tore it down, divided gangs. Wow. You know? Yeah. So it was like, there were gangs everywhere, but division was where it was hot. The block was hot. Block was hot. Block was hot. I saw a lot of shootings. Um, you know, it was very close to them, uh, more times than, you know, I'm, I'm just lucky that I, that I lived through it. Um, one of my friends got shot. Uh, another friend of mine got jumped. I mean, people were getting jumped all the time. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, I got, I got checked when I first moved into that neighborhood and we were the only white kids. So early nineties, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is, um, yeah. Like after I dropped out of school, uh, cause I was living at a dorm at Columbia downtown yeah. And, uh, and so when I dropped out, it was like, I had needed to get a place with cheap rent. It was $160 a month to live Damn. where I live or li- to live where I did. 
Um, sure. And so my parents were like, oh, we want to come down and see you. I was like, mm, I would, you know, I'd make up excuses because, you know, on one hand, it's like I didn't want him to worry, but also I didn't want it to seem like, you know, when, when I dropped out of school, my parents were helping me you know yeah. they were giving me money to live because i was a full-time student totally so when i dropped out they're like well you know you're we can't help you just not be in school and i had already um you know uh i was already hired at a messenger company when yeah. i told them yeah so that when i did tell them i already had everything in order i was already working smart yeah um and uh yeah i just didn't and i didn't want to seem like see now that you cut me off look where i live but, you know, I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for all of my experiences yeah. and all my mistakes and fuck ups. It's like uh, you just learn to not do that again. Yeah. You know, um, and living in, um, you know, Humboldt, that was definitely, um, you know, eye opening. Okay, um, yeah. But yeah, seeing people get killed and stuff is a trip. Because I know Chicago is still one of the illest cities here in 2019. It's the murder capital of the world. Yeah, almost. so it's like imagine back then, and now it's crazy, man. That's well, and now like the the neighborhood I live I lived in, um, you know, and as you, it's like it's around. It's kind of um, you know, most of Chicago is pretty safe there's just an area yeah. like out, out on the west side and the south side there's pockets you just don't want to be in yeah um and uh what no matter what uh it's just really dangerous um yeah i don't i was gonna say i had a point and i lost it we'll get back to it um and something about your mom was your mom a nurse in the war she was my dad was a dentist my mom was a nurse uh, my mom cool. uh for a very long and may still be the most de uh decorated war nurse in u.s history your mom my mom That's there was there awesome. was a, a tv show um some of the older listeners might remember china beach i know that um dana delaney played my mother and that her story was based on my mom my wow. mom my mom was in the dmz the demilitarized zone in north vietnam you know, behind enemy lines. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, she was on the front lines. It's crazy, man. Getting bombed, getting shot at. She had a gun. She, she, you know, it's like she was, um, she, she's seen real, uh, she's seen and been involved in real conflict. I mean, she was, yeah. you know, in a war zone for, you know, years of her life. I have a picture that I post all the time and I have the, the original in my kitchen, um, of my mom and her fatigues holding her M16. Seen that. And um, smoking a cigarette, which is my mom's a health nut now and yeah. looks, uh, you know, 30 years younger than she is. My dad, too. They're both you know, lovely people and and really healthy. But uh, yeah, my mom was 22, um, you know, <sighs> just holding, you know, uh, people, other kids dying in her arms. Yeah. 18 year old kids. And it's so, heavy, yeah, it was it was something that we we couldn't watch war movies. My dad and I like loved like Das Boot and Apocalypse mm -hmm. Now, and we loved all these World War Two and Vietnam War movies. Yeah, um, and we couldn't watch them around my mom. And you know, Fourth of July, my dad would take us to fireworks. My mom couldn't be around explosions. Wow. Um, so you know, she had PTSD. I I don't know on to what extent yeah uh but before they called it that you know it was yeah. like just a condition or whatever name they had for it yeah 
uh, shell shock. Um, but yeah, she's, she's still, you know, I, I'm definitely careful with things I recommend to her or even things I post on, on, uh, Instagram. It's like, I, I try my hardest to never bring up war. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm very proud of her. Yeah. That's amazing, man. That's, so that's... yeah, she, she was an, she was a triage nurse, uh, you know, uh, in the shit, as they say. And, uh, my dad was a dentist at base camp, but he was also, um, infantry. Okay. And, uh, spent some time in a helicopter. Um, so yeah, they both, um, and, and they, you know, they, like a lot of, uh, veterans from, from that era will tell you that, that, that was a, you know, it was a, a huge mistake and, um, you know, it is what it is, but a lot of them were like, what are we doing here? Yeah. You know, and all the controversy with the government sending young kids into war, a war that they knew they were losing and had really had no point. Yeah. You know, the president on all of his men and, you know, whatever few women were there knew that these it was just suicide. Yeah. Without any logic. So um, they're my parents are like I said, they're really liberal people, loving and, and, uh, open-minded people. And, uh, they're both army veterans or Vietnam veterans rather, but Shout they were in your the parents. Army. Your parents are awesome. Man. Yeah. They're the best. Um, how I know about China beach, you said that it's strange because I had Rappaport on here last week and that was the first show he ever, every TV show he ever got his first audition. And that was the first show he ever was on his whole career. Really? <laughs> yeah. That was his first Dang. Show. Yeah. It was his first break, man, was that That's show. Wild, and that yeah. was a big show back then. It was huge. It was, you know, Emmy Award winning show. Yeah. It was one of the most popular dramas on TV, you know, MASH and China Beach. That's right, MASH. Um, I know you have twin sisters that are younger. Shout out to your sisters. They're awesome. Um, they went into punk and nothing you were into was totally, you're totally opposites. Total, I mean. You're like the black sheep for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I was just talking to my mom about this the other night. Um, and uh, I said something about being the black sheep and <laughs> and she was like, you're not you weren't the black sheep. And I was like, well, define a black sheep for me. And she said, well, it's somebody that, you know, kind of goes their own way. And what you know, and I'm like, so d- d-, she's like, yeah, I guess you were the black sheep. <laughs> she just didn't want me to feel like, you know, she, yeah. whatever. It's just it, it wasn't a negative thing. It was just yeah. I just didn't. Um, uh, my parents went kind of or I'm sorry, my sisters went more of a traditional route. Yeah. And. I didn't. Yeah. So, uh, but we're, you know, my sisters are amazing and we're all close. They graduated from school and, you know, did they're they're both doing really well. Yeah. Um, were you a, were you a party kid too when you were young? Oh yeah. And did that start early for you? Yes. Just from the people you're hanging out with probably. Yeah. Oh yeah. We like, um, um, my buddy Dave Weber, I remember we would go down to, uh, you know, when I start, when I went to that social distortion show, yeah, taking the train or one of my friend's cars down to the city to see punk shows was just like a weekly thing after that. Yeah. Um, or, you know, at least a couple times a month, there was a great show. Um, but yeah, all my friends were, you know, I always hung out with the town criminal and, um, I was always, you know, keeping my parents up at night. Yeah. Like my, my friend DJ Montet was like, um, and he's still, he's playing music, I guess, and doing well for himself, but he, everyone knew him in town. The cops knew him like, you know, they let him graduate, uh, without coming to school cause he beat up a teacher. Damn. Um, yeah, he was, he was a wild kid, but, uh, not a bad kid. Just, you yeah. know, just, uh, a, a criminal. Yeah. Um, 
at least to the to the grown-ups but he was my buddy and yeah we did a lot of acid and drank a lot drank a lot of beer and malt liquor and uh i remember drinking mickey's big mouths on the train going Damn. to punk shows and i was 13 wow you were out there man yeah but still but still what's amazing about you still like like you weren't flunking you weren't like fucking you know what i mean you're still making home for like you're still being responsible too you know what i mean and focused you know well yeah i think um um somehow yeah i mean we we organized our own it was like i was i was always at soccer i was all i did did the things that i knew i had to do to get i just had deja vu uh <laughs> to get to the punk show you know yeah. that was like my whole everything was how do i get to either the show we were playing or a show i was going to uh and i was going to more shows than i was playing them at yeah. that time so everything was kind of a means to an end yeah um to do that well so i could do this and and uh yeah but you know i think with anyone it's like you're um judged by the company you keep because the company you keep is generally doing the same thing you are you're, yeah you know yeah uh but at the same time like the, the town i grew up in um i remember there was like a survey or polls taken and we were the um in all of north america the the ratio of drug users to non-drug users we had like the highest um percentage of damn drug using students wow i don't know how they got that number yeah um or how true that is but that's what they told us and, and it makes sense i mean high school for me i, I got bullied a little in junior high and kind of had to learn how to stick up for myself mm. um but in high school you know i i I was like kind of the first punk rock kid in my little town. And, you know, I wore con wearing chucks to school before anyone wore chucks yeah. and getting punched, you know, punched in the stomach for that. And, you know, just like, or whatever yeah. shoved and pushed around, uh, which, you know, then I hit a growth spurt and that ended, but, um, yeah. high school, everybody was on drugs. So everybody got along. Yeah. You know, like the jocks and the punks and the metalheads and the preppy kids, we all partied together. Yeah. You know, and if there was a fight, it was because of beef. It wasn't because of clicks or yeah, 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 anything like that. And you were heavy in skateboarding too in high school. Of course, yeah. Um, because I've skated with you even up till now, and you still you still got skills, and we go to barracks and shit like that. Like, did you have a favorite trick back then? Um, I was always uh, like you know, I grew up with Bones Brigades, so like yeah, too, Bonelesses yeah. and and Sick. and all Matt Hensley and all the H Street stuff was huge for me. So no complies. Yeah. Heel flips. Yeah, you crushed no complies, yeah. And and we really didn't have uh we had ramps that we built um not very well, but there was a couple <laughs> skate parks that were far away. So mostly like on a you know, daily skating, um we we were all we really had to skate were churches, street. We skated street. So yeah. it was all mostly mostly like um, you know, bones and H street influence tricks, no comply. I'll say no comply. No, you still you kill those, yeah, and kick, <laughs> and, and kick flips too, kick flip, uh, kick flips. You taught, had, you taught I had, Max. I had to relearn kick flips and heel flips uh, to teach Max how to do them. Yeah, and I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't believe I could still do them. Yeah, you, you crushed those, and he learned them from you, like just like the how to set the whole feet up and all that shit. Yep. Um. All right, so let's get, let's go let's go to trio now. Uh, first album, God damn it. Um, when that came out it was ninety eight. I think it was your first album. Uh, ninety. 90 okay sure i don't remember yeah i think it's not whatever with my things but so when that record first came out you guys already built a fan base and locally and maybe like around the area like when it first came out was there like 
Was there anticipation for this first trio record? You guys still growing as a band? Were you excited to put music out? Like, yeah, I mean, it was, it was like anything, you know, you start or like anyone's band, the your first fans are your friends. Yeah, totally. Um, but Chicago, you know, I'm lucky that I came from a place where if there was a show, people went. Yeah. So even and and we were friends with the promoters. Um, so we got you know trio. We got put on really cool shows that a lot of people got to see us that normally wouldn't. And yeah. so every time we'd play Fireside Bowl, like, you know, we'd, we'd go open for somebody at Metro. And then, you know, the next time it didn't take us very long um, in, in the grand scheme of things. I mean, it was maybe six months or a year, like where our, we were selling out Fireside from when wow. we started. So yeah. it happened pretty quick. Shout out to Fireside. That was a great venue, man. The bowling alley was yeah. fucking some amazing shows there. The sound was kind of shitty, but it was just a great place to play. Well, it depends on yeah, why. Yeah, it, it depends on who was mixing and and True. and uh, you know, it there were there were definitely d- different factors. But city, the corner of a bowling alley isn't the best acoustics. Mm. You know, yeah, like yeah, where it was corner. set up, and yeah. it's like this big um, box. Um, but some of the, sh- I mean, I saw no effects there, and it sounded amazing. Okay. So yeah, sometimes it sounded shitty, but generally, if the band was good and there was a lot of people, the more people that were in there, the better it sounded. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you'd have people out on the lanes and stuff, and it would, you know, deaden the noise that was, yeah, bouncing around, you know, where people couldn't stand. Yeah, that was something. So we had some great shows when you first came through there. Um, so after the record comes out, is is there a point where you feel like you're gonna Alkaline Trio is gonna be something? Was there ever a point where you thought? Or was there a point, even younger, like, I'm going to do, obviously, I'm going to do music. You, you saw Social D, you saw that, Another State of Mind, you were inspired by that show and be a musician. But was there a moment, was there a moment in Trio where you're like, holy shit, this is going to be my career? Well, you never thought about it like that. Oh, I thought about it like that. I, that yeah, it was the last, uh, the, the last day I rode home um, from my messenger job. I remember I, I had a... Um, uh, falling out with the guys that own the messenger company I was working for at the time and or we we had a fight or whatever and uh, they were threatening to fire me and trio had we'd already done our first tour and I think we were going out with maybe face to face or something and I just knew that I, re- I just remember the last day I rode home I would be riding in this was something that always went through my head Riding from, you know, I lived on the west side. Yeah. And I would, ha- and all my work was downtown. So it was like a 20 minute, half hour ride into work every day. And when it was cold or like, you know, muggy and hot, whatever, it just sucked. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would think about the day that, I, that I'm going to, that I'm, I'm going to ch- just uh, cherish the day that I know it's my last day working. Mm. And that was the time that I realized that this is what I'm going to do. And was that the last job you had? Yep. Wow, man. Yeah. So what that would be like that's so that's like ninety eight then. Yeah, around ninety eight. Yeah. Holy shit. That's fucking pretty amazing, man. Yeah. You set your mind to it and then focused on the band and then obviously after that, it's so many records, man. Um in two thousand, two thousand one. How many records you have right now? Nine records out now. Is that what it is? Yeah. What do you think the key is to your longevity? As a, is there, a, is there a key to your longevity career? You think? Um, I think the longevity of a career. I, I don't. It's different for everyone. Yeah. I, you know. I. I don't know. Um, I think you know. The the things that 
we decided early on, like our logo, like our font, yeah. the way that our band name is written, never change that. Always keep it the same. You came up with that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was the first person to do that. I saw like Jawbreaker. Yeah. You've never seen it in anything but that font and it becomes this other thing. You know, you brand, you brand it. And, totally. and uh, um, I think, you know, bra- branding something that, um, you know, I, I remember hearing, hearing the Misfits for the first time, Walk, Walk Among Us. And when 20 Eyes started, I felt like that music was made for just me. And for whatever reason, and, you know, it's a great reason, it's people felt like, very, you know, obviously from our humble beginnings, there were very few people there and we would talk to everyone. But even to this day, people feel like they're a part of something that there's, um, you know, that it's something that's just theirs. You know, Trio never got huge, but we got way bigger than we ever thought we would have, you know, it's like. And when we started the band, punk punk rock bands weren't getting huge. I mean, Green Day or had maybe broke, you know, a couple years before that, but it seemed yeah. like uh, kind of an anomaly. It wasn't until we started Trio that uh, Rancid had gotten, you know, a platinum yeah. record, and and other punk rock bands started getting really big. But yeah, um, you know, Nirvana and Green Day that was never that was uh, you know an anomaly. It was something that wasn't going to happen again. Um, and uh we didn't you know ever compare ourselves to something like that we just our goal always was just to be able to live off of playing music yeah you know yeah. not live not be wealthy you know but yeah. just be able to make a living playing music yeah you guys started touring non-stop after that probably right after goddamn it came out yeah and then uh maybe i'll catch fire and then um from here to the infirmary uh good morning crimson agony irony uh, this addiction, uh, my shame is 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 true. And then, is this thing cursed? That's 2018, right? It's the last one that came out, 2018. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of records, man. A lot of time. It's fucking. It's pretty much. But that's crazy. the other thing too is is a lot of records. But we've been a band for 20 something years. Yeah. I think putting out too many records, as far as longevity is concerned, um, that's something. Don't put out too much too much material. Nowadays, I think it's different. That's nine records. That's true. That's a good point. Nine records. It's like well, a record every couple of years. Yeah, it's small. We have like seven out. That's a good point, actually. But you want to, it's better to, to you know, it's like we never played, um, lo- we, we always wanted to play like, you know, at least a half an hour, but no yeah. longer. It's like you always want to leave them wanting more. Yeah. Same thing with a record. But I think the, you know, there's there's a lot of things that we did for, for Alkaline Trio that has has somehow secured our longevity. Yeah. But I think it's different for everyone. Yeah. You know, I think for us, there was just a perfect, perfect storm kind of brewing and, and still, you know, um, quietly raging. Are there any of those albums you're the most proud of? Like, would you have a favorite trio record? Um, I mean, I think like a lot of people, your latest record, it reflects yeah. like, you know, where the band's at now. So, Right now, it's is this thing cursed that you yeah. know? Um, but I I'm proud of. I mean, I was listening to some stuff um, recently. Dan and I are, excuse me, building a set list for uh, this Bad Religion tour. We're yeah, gonna go on in, awesome. in the spring of 2020. It's 2020. Can you believe that? That's crazy. In a couple of weeks, man. Oh my god. Yeah, um, that, that's a sick tour. You and Bad Religion, man. That's it's exciting. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be good. And the War on Women, okay, is opening. 
That's a new band. I never heard of them actually. Yeah, they're they're uh, I hadn't heard of them either, um, and like Bad Religion are fans, and I think maybe friends with them. Yeah, and I checked out some of their stuff, and it's really cool. Um, uh, super uh, feminist. Yeah. Uh, female fronted and I think there's a there's a couple women in the band that's awesome so yeah it's gonna be cool I mean with trio we always try and bring out um bands with women and you yeah. know in them and uh try and cut down on the boy club factor yeah I like that um was there ever a time in your career before we're at, we're at now that you just you wanted to quit music you were kind of over it no never okay that's pretty amazing man I mean what um you know, there, it's the best. It's not even a. Uh, I, 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 um, you know, I, I have difficulty calling it a job. It's like I don't yeah. go to work. I work on things, but I play music. I don't work music. You know, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, that's true. You go, I, I go work on something, but I've never really said I'm going to work. Yeah, that's true. You know, I'm going yeah. to the studio. I'm going on tour. It can be hard work or seem like hard work at least sometimes, but not yeah. because you're breaking rocks. Yeah, that's a good know, point. Yeah. It's just uh um but there isn't a better quote unquote job in the world. No. I mean not. I I've done a very uh minuscule amount of acting and that's something that doesn't seem like that's any right. fun. Yeah. You know? And even yeah. the glory of it and the like all the the upswing to acting, it's like, you know, I have friends that are act you have friends that are actors, yeah. Mike Rap, it's like, um you know, he he obviously knows way more about it than I, but uh, you know, it's not something that I think I would enjoy very much. And, and music is, you know, yeah. every actor wants to be a musician. Every, yeah. every musician wants to be an actor except for it's me, <laughs> but I, but I tried it, you know, like yeah. if you're, uh, in a somewhat popular band, you kind of, as you know, you have your foot in the door and places that maybe you shouldn't have your foot in the door. You know, it's like, yeah. Brandon flowers from, from the killers said, uh, you know, people should um, stick to their side of the fence just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. You know, so it's for point. me, it's like if you're not great at it, don't it's a you know, uh, I think acting is an incredible uh, like watching great acting is like watching, um, you know, uh, some athlete or incredible musician yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's just like an art form that blows my mind because it for, to me, uh, it's so difficult. Yeah. And uh take so much talent and research and uh just all of it and it's a lot of work yeah so much work and state you know the uh the play that i worked on fat mike's musical um a live uh, a live uh production is so much work i mean that felt like imagine. a job yeah. it was grueling yeah and uh you know i i loved the experience but i i didn't enjoy being on the stage yeah and acting do you, do you enjoy, because you're amazing art. I think you're like one of my only friends, I feel like, who can play many instruments, you can write amazing songs, and you're an awesome artist too, a painter. Um, do, do you find, what's what's the enjoyment compared to writing songs and making music and or like making a painting? Is it the same kind of high, the same kind of... It's so similar. Yeah. There's so, many, kind of there's so many parallels um, to songwriting and painting. Yeah. So many. Yeah. Al uh, almost in every way. But yeah, the gratification, the way the idea starts, the way the idea um, is hopeful. Hopefully, the end result. It, it um, you know, if you've succeeded, it's ten times better than the initial idea. Surprising yourself, yeah. or you know, when you're 
Um, I think the, the main difference is um, being in, you know, either band that I'm in, it's uh, you're collaborating. So yeah. oftentimes the you bring the best out of each other, hopefully, um, and yeah. you have outside influences that make it something completely different and hopefully take it to new heights. Yeah. Um, with painting, you're doing that yourself. So it's, but it's a very similar kind of uh, high, like you get from yeah. it and sense of accomplishment or you know it's like you write a you write a song and record it and, and you love the way the recording came out you're proud of the song and you listen to it yourself it's like a painting if you're proud of it you'll sit you'll you know keep looking at it it's like yeah. if i don't like something and i'm obsessing over it i'll keep listening to it or if i love it mm. you know it's one or the other yeah um so yeah th- i could go on all night but there's a, there it's very similar yeah, I, I definitely want to thank you and think that you opened up Max's eyes to painting because when you, you watch Max when he was young, you guys always be making these paintings. And I think that really opened his eyes to it. And he has a lot of great paintings that you made for him and that he made for you. And yeah. I, I love that. That was, that was, yeah, it was, it, I mean, just that, um, I don't know when this is going to air, but this is, we're like, what, four days away, five days away from Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you guys just gave me this book of pictures of yeah. me, me and Max over the years and super emo. Oh yes. man, I got so um, I'm still like choked up thinking about it, but um yeah, Matt, I'm really honored and proud of Ma- proud to be a part of Max's life. Yeah. Um and the 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 influence that I've had on him, I, I'm uh you know, he he's very much his own his own person. Uh, his own young man, but I, I love that he enjoys painting and music, and you know we shared a lot of that together. Every time I watched him, we were we were making a mess. Yeah, yeah. I remember coming one time home and they answered the door, and Max looked like looked so nervous, and Max was like paint all over him. And then I saw you, you had paint on yourself, and it was like paint all over the sink. You guys just went crazy. It was it's it's a moment I'll never forget. Actually, he came home, you guys were all was covered was in it paint. when I painted Max blue? <laughs> I had I painted like war. Max asked me to. Uh, he asked me to to paint him. He's like, "Will you paint me like a picture?" I think he meant like a portrait. Yeah, yeah. And so I painted him. Literally painted Max. Uh, painted painted him like green head to toe, and he had like yellow and blue like war paint on, like Native American war paint. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh man, I that picture's amazing. Oh, it's hand, his his palms were blue. That's right, and were. then he had war paint on his face. Yeah, and he he thought he was gonna get in trouble, but he wasn't. But he came to the. I remember I was never forget his face. And then you guys were like fucking covered in paint. Um, <laughs> uh, an, another thing, another another part of our life is I'll never forget. This is Mrs. Moving now. It's right now, but one of the hardest secrets I ever had to keep was when you had your meet your first meeting with the guys in Blink. Everybody knows that story now. I remember getting a text from you about it about what was possibly going to happen. And that was really, I was so excited for you. And that was such a hard thing to like, to keep as a secret before the world heard about it. Yeah. But I, I, I never got there. I mean, obviously I tell you all the time, but it's, it's amazing to see you go from Alkaline Trio, something you started from scratch, to, to still having that band and a career with that. And also singing for Blink-182 and filling those shoes and doing an amazing job at it. And I got to be at the first show you guys played at Music. And as and, and just being your friend and watching you through all your stuff, you're doing music and art, and then now you're singing in Blink. So I know that transition was extremely, I don't know if it's not difficult, but that's like a, a big thing to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like It's daunting. Yeah. And so to see you doing that now, and now here we are on how many, it's a couple years later, 
since you've been in that band? Five. Five years went by. Holy shit. <laughs> Can you um, believe that? Five years went by. And so now, and then seeing you now where you're at and singing and the voice and everything, it's just, I mean, I, I'm sure you, people ask you this question all the time, but that transition, was that like a, was that a scary? Th I know you, when you wanted to do it, you're not going to say you didn't want to do it if you didn't want to do it. You said yes. But then actually doing it, was that a scary process for you? Uh, I wouldn't use the word stressful. scary. Um, I wasn't scared of it. Uh, yes, it was stressful. I, it was, um, you know, I, I uh, when they asked me to join the band, I said that I'd love to do it. I was just nervous that, um, you know, some of the, some of those guitar parts are relatively simple, but really fast and really, and pretty technical. It was just a way of playing that I'd never played before. Yeah. And I said, you know, and Mark and Mark said, you know, just just um, make it yours with keeping it true to the to the original. Yeah. Um, so, you know, kids all the time will, you know, never, of course, to your face, but that, you know, people talking shit, uh, you know, it's like you playing this wrong and doing this wrong and you're singing these words instead of these words. It's like, I'm, you know, I'm not going to. I didn't write the song. I'm not yeah. going to try and, uh, you know, bastardize it too much, but um yeah. Uh, is that the right word? Bas or you know, whatever. That's a good word. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I don't know if it's the right word though. I think, um, I wanted to to keep it. You know, pay uh homage to the original. Um, and keeping that that um, uh, all the flavors that make it what it was. And yeah. While adding, you know, it's like I can't change the who I am. I'm not gonna try uh to sing like Tom. I'm yeah. not gonna. You know, I'm gonna do my best to play those songs as they were recorded. But I mean, I, I started watching live blink shows and uh, you know, the, a lot of times the guitar parts are completely different than they are in the album. So okay. um, there was, it, it was, it was stressful though. Learn, learning the um, learning all those songs. I learned, I think 30 songs in that. like a month. Fuck. Um, and it wasn't like, you know, it's blink. It's one of the biggest bands in the world. Yeah. So, uh, and I wanted to do a good job. So yeah, it was, it was stressful. Um, yeah. but also, uh, I'm honored that I'm get, I'm sitting here telling that story. Like, um, I still pinch myself that that's, you know, um, I still pinch myself about everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. like alkaline trio. I can't believe that it's lasted as long as it has and that it's gone as far as it has that we've, um, you know, we've played in Africa. I don't know. It's a memory. <laughs> we that. played in Japan. We yeah. played like, you know, it's like, um, that's huge. Yeah. So at least for me, and and I'm very thankful. Yeah. And, and Trio played with Blink before, right? You guys toured with yeah. them before? So you're actually, I'm not, I don't know if you're a fan, but you knew the music, you knew the songs anyway. I, but yeah. I was a fan um, when Enema of yeah. the State came out. Um, yeah. Jerry Finn played it for me before, right before it came out. Yeah. Um, and I really, uh, dig that. I mean, I, I became a fan because of Enema before that. I thought they were cool. Yeah. We, we were on some video comp together. Um, sure. and I thought they were cool. Um, but I wasn't, it what didn't really speak to me until, uh, they worked with Jerry and got Travis in the band. Yeah. Was it because singing some of those massive songs that you've heard a million times and then all of a sudden that, now it's you singing those songs. It's got to be tripped out for sure. Probably the first couple of times, maybe, you know what I mean? It's like, still, it's still trippy. Yeah. Not in a bad way. Yeah. It's just like singing, uh, like all the small things that, 
Um, it's, it's a trip. I mean, I love it. And I'm, again, I'm honored. It's like, but yeah, it's not something that, uh, I really, it's not, it's never, um, routine or yeah. like nothing. It's always like, what, this is a trip. It is. And you, you fit so perfectly. Like, I feel like it just, they picked the right person. I don't know how they knew it. I thought, I mean, I'm sure they knew it. That's why they asked you, but like, it just works. You know what I mean? It's cool to see you up there and playing those songs. And it just, it just sounds right. You know what I mean? It sounds like, I don't know. I guess it's well, really thanks, hard to put, it's hard to put into words. No, you know no, you, I mean? like, I, that sounds right is a, is uh you know what I like to hear. Yeah, so but 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 it's also next level. Obviously, Trio is a big band, but this is some other level shit where it's just like bigger venues, just all that, just everything must just change. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, at the its, lifestyle, I guess. It's not that. I mean, it's really not that different. Um, uh, it's different in so many ways, but at the same time, uh, it's, there's definitely, um, uh, uh, familiarities yeah. and there's, there's things that are, um, you know, it's definitely more posh. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's a way, it's a way bigger audience, yeah. um, which, you know, it's, um, I, I always try and, and boil it down to, uh, you know, just the basic elements of I'm playing in a band, playing music and want to do my best work. Yeah. Beyond that, like think what people think of me or think of, you know, it's like they're the band is, you know, doing when California came out, it's like that was the best the band had done in a long time. It's crazy, man. Charming um, stuff. Yeah. Billboard yeah. and a Grammy nomination yeah. and just all these things that um, the band it's hadn't crazy. experienced before. And it was cool to experience with that. Yeah. You're um, part of that. Yeah. So yeah, being a part of that is, is it's awesome. That's really, really cool. Um, but I, I think that, uh, you know, it's, it needs to be approached, um, learning the songs. Of course, it wasn't until like a year ago where I, I wasn't, um, completely like nervous before a show. Like I've gotten mm. to the point where I, I, I know the words for the most part. Yeah. I mean, I still screw up Alkaline Trio words or songs. Me too. Yeah, yeah, you, for sure. People are going to make mistakes, but I feel like I can just enjoy myself up there rather than worrying about, like, what's that in the bridge and what's this and that. It's like, just... Be comfortable now. Yeah, because everybody yeah. screws up. It's totally. like, just don't blow it. Yeah. You know? That's a good point. And that, that's a good transition to my next thing, Fire Festival. Um, I knew nothing about that, and then into it, so I remember talking to you about it, and then, like, you guys were going to get there or go to the airport, and you found out, who knows... I don't know how you guys found out the minute of that, whatever. I don't know if we can even talk about it, but all those documentaries came out about it. It was fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, that, that, that seems like such a surreal event, which I guess it pretty much was because it never happened, but you know what I mean? Mark got a, um, uh, like, I forget it was a photo or a video. Oh, no, it was a video. Somebody that was there had taken and sent to managers. Yeah. Like, don't. Like this is what's really happening here. Yeah, this is what it really looks like. Yeah. And it would look like FEMA tents. Yeah. You know, it looked like what you saw on the thing. Yeah. But we saw, um, you know, it wasn't even so much about what we saw. It's what we didn't see. We didn't see a stage. We didn't see mm -hmm. any, anything. Like, it looked like, you know, what you the, you know the story. Yeah, uh, and it was right after we decided to pull out. I mean, the the, oh, the promoter, the, you know, when, when they don't know what like a... Um, you know, the terminology for all the production and sound and this and that when they don't know what you're talking about or they yeah. don't have somebody there that does and they're offering you, you know, 
crazy money yeah crazy money uh you know it's like you got to make sure that this is for real there was just you know it didn't take uh i think you guys are the first band to pull out wasn't it? were you guys maybe i i don't know yeah yeah we all i know is uh, we didn't end up down there thank god i feel like the documentaries made the thank thing you even... god thank you god for not taking us down there <laughs> it was god I, I think that those documentaries made it way bigger than it was actually ever going to be. Those docs are, the two different docs are incredible. Oh, I, I think it was big because the docs are only interesting because it was such a big event because so many people got ripped off. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the if the event itself wasn't big, it wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't have made movies about it. They were trying to say you put witchcraft on it to prevent it or something. <laughs> well... <laughs> I mean, it's, I definitely, um, you know, it's sort of like one of the, the, one of those things that, uh, you know, like when I tell people, um, you know, some people pray for people, it's like, I send positive energy or at least attempt to send positive energy to people when they're, uh, dealing with a tragedy or, you know, loss or pain of any kind. Um, and you know, I sent that same kind of energy to that festival that we weren't, you know something keep us from doing that Mm -hmm. and just i think that um you know it's like the don't wish too hard it'll you know um you might get what you want or whatever the yeah destroying it but you know what i'm saying it's like if you wish too hard you'll get it it's like uh if you wish if you wish really hard you'll get it i wished really hard that that didn't happen yeah um and uh it was you know calling it witchcraft is just that's I call it witchcraft. Yeah. <laughs> I call things magic that other people call God or that, you know, yeah, whatever I have, I have a, it's, it's semantics, but I, I like using terminology that isn't necessarily, um, false. It's just, um, uh, you know, gets people's attention, gets the right people's attention. Yeah. Anyway, people were like freaked out by it. And it's like, you know, uh, um, I'm witchy. What do you want? Yeah. Did you grow up in a religious house? No. It's awesome. Nope. I needed it, Max. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. I mean, my, my grandmother amazing. was Catholic. My dad was raised Catholic, but, um, you know, I was baptized. We we got confirmed. Um, me and my sisters were, we, there was, you know, confirmation classes, like yeah. Sunday school confirmation classes. We did that. We went, the everyone that was confirmed us, um, but they asked my parents to not bring us to the class anymore after the first day because we were asking too many questions because we weren't raised to believe that like Jesus is magic and you know, whatever. So we're, we weren't purposely being argumentative. We were just wondering, well, if you're, if you're stating this is a fact, then what about this? And it jammed up the teachers too much. They couldn't answer the questions. And they said, we'll confirm you just don't, your kids ask too many questions. Wow. That we can't answer. I love that you guys are asking questions. That's amazing. Yeah. It says a lot about you guys. Um, well, it says, I think it says a lot about my parents, you know, like mm-hmm. the way we were raised. It's like question things. Yeah. Uh, it's like, the, and that, the, that religion, it's like, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. Cause you know, I'm not trying to offend anyone. It's just, it's not true. I've had people come on and talking about their faith. So it's okay. Yeah, to talk about, I yeah. mean, faith yeah. is, yeah. uh, and I said this recently, it's like, I have no problem with people's faith. Um, I don't share that faith, Yeah. but I'm not. You know, um, I don't think one person knows more than than anyone else. It's all a mystery. Yeah. I mean, people will say that the thing, you know, some people's faith goes so far as to, uh, you know, ha- have them thinking and saying that they have the one true God. It's like everyone thinks that. Yeah. So how can that be true? 
Um, and they're all saying the same thing. I mean, there's, there's, um, you know, a Holy Trinity in every organized religion on the planet. It's, you know, yeah. every, no matter what religion you are, you have the same calendar. You drink the same, you do have to, you need water, you need food. It's like, it's all pretty much elementally the same. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I just, uh, when I was younger, I, um, wasn't as polite about my stance on religion. Yeah. But I think there's a big difference between faith and religion. But I think punk rock taught us to be like, question everything. You know what I mean? Like question everything. Yeah. Don't believe everything. And I don't it. think that, um, you know, for me, um, I heard I've heard the term like Christian punk band. That's just an oxymoron in I heard my that opinion. Too. Because they're they exist. Yeah. But it's like that's church is not religion is not punk rock. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to break it to you. Yeah. But it's not. Neither is metal. Those Christian metal bands or whatever. It's obviously it's um punk rock, I at least to me, is more of a movement than metal was. It was, you know, the political, it was yeah. there were um but uh yeah. Religion ain't punk. Do you have, uh, this is my last couple of questions for you, and I really appreciate your time. We covered a lot of things here. Um, do you have any regrets? No. Love that. You're like the third person that said that. Some people say yes, but some, that's great. You don't. It's awesome. There's things that, that um, you know, I'm not proud of, but, you know, it's just like anything. If you do something that makes you feel bad, don't do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Would you consider yourself an optimist or pessimist? I consider myself a realist. That's what my wife does too. Who shot to moon? Same thing. I'm a realist. Yeah. A realist. Okay. I can see that about you for sure. Yeah. It's like, is the glass half full or half empty? It doesn't matter. There's a half, there's a glass with half of it has milk in it. That's all I know. What, what, what gives a fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Either way, like, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I don't think it has any bearing on reality. Um, but you know, I think, uh, having hope and having optimism is a good thing. I don't, uh, if I had to pick one, I would say, um, I, I guess it's split down the middle. There's depends on what you're talking about. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I've known you a long time. I, I, I get more positive vibes from you than, you know what I mean? Yeah. I guess I don't have a whole lot of faith in people in general. Yeah. Uh, for good reason. Cause so many of them are. Um, Shady scumbags, just full of shit. Yeah, <laughs> they aren't who, who they portray, and especially uh, in this industry too, probably. Yeah, or every um, industry. Yeah, just in general, in I general, think people yeah. are bullshit. Yeah. Um, and uh, but you know, it just makes the people like you that I'm close with. It's like my friends that I consider good friends are my family. Yeah. And I only, you know, I could count them on one hand. Me too. You man. know. Yeah. Uh, and but I have a lot of you know beautiful you know, people I'm friendly with or that yeah. I, I'll hang out with. And, you know, then there's the people that you go to when you need need uh, someone to talk to or, you know, somebody that you, you, you know, whatever, some simple task that you need an extra pair of hands and that person's yeah. going to be there. You know, I think being a man um, is, you know, all a man has is his word. So, um, and just people don't keep their word. Yeah, it sucks. People are full of shit. It sucks. For the most part, I think. And so as far as the human race, I'm a bit of a pessimist. But I also, mm. that gets challenged whenever I see beauty in, you know, young people. You know, yeah. I saw a thing um, just a couple of days ago. These these young uh, kids that um, 
are, you know, eighth grade, seventh grade kids talking about climate change, kids from Uganda. Wow. You know, I from, saw that. Yeah. it's, it's incredible. So things like that give me faith. Um, and I'm, you know, the, I, I guess it depends on what day of the week it is. You'd yeah. have to ask me tomorrow. Yeah. Today I'm, today I'm a, I'm a realist. Okay. <laughs> with a, with a dash of pessimism. Um, what are some, what are some of you, what is a daily ritual for Matt Skiba? Uh, daily ritual. Um, I guess, uh, coffee is the first thing on my mind when I wake up. Um, and I definitely, I always try and, uh, I write every day at some point. I meditate two times a day, every yeah. day at some point depends on my schedule. Um, I don't really have a, uh, when I'm home, the routine's a little different than the road, but yeah. the, the constants are coffee, um, writing, exercise when i'm yeah. home i hit the gym four times a week um going to run in with you when my yep. knee's not ready to give out um uh so yeah it's pretty i mean good ones i would say it, it doesn't sound like anything um crazy or spectacular but for me it is i mean even yeah. I, I get joy from the simplest things yeah, your meditation's heavy one time me and Max went over to, to Skiba's and meet up with him, and we saw him through the window. He was meditating, but it looked like he was like dead or sleeping. His, his head leaned back. It was scary, but you were in total meditation form. We'd never seen you like that. It was awesome. You're like you were totally in it. You said it was scary. Yeah, because your head was back. We didn't know. We didn't know, like. We know if we knock on the window or not. Max, like, uh -oh. is he okay? He's like had his eyes closed on the couch meditating. It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's funny when I when because uh, I don't necessarily when I first started doing it. I talked about it a lot more because yeah. it had such a sudden impact on me uh, or immediate impact. Yeah. Uh, with some people, it takes a little longer or whatever. I just was so excited about it and wanted everybody to experience what I was experiencing from it. But, you know, it's like the more you preach about something or talk about something, the less people are going to want to do it. So You got Moon to do it. Thank you. Yeah, you're Changed welcome. Changed your life, actually, I mean, man. I, it's uh, my trainer. We meditate together before we work out. Um, a lot of my, you know, it's it's not for everyone. Yeah. Um, but you know, for anyone interested, I'm I'm uh, any one of my friends that that are interested, I'm honored that I got got them meditating because, yeah. um, you know, it changed my life for the better completely, and makes those those simple rituals so, you know, it makes something as simple as folding shirt t-shirts yeah enjoyable what is yours called again can you do transcendental meditation that's it, yeah, tm that's, yeah that's it you do it on tour too huh everywhere twice a day yeah and you could do it anywhere does it have to be a certain quiet spot it's whatever earplugs okay yeah i mean I, I can um meditate and you know it's the only thing that ever um distracts me is like uh like construction work where it's like a constant doo -doo -doo, like a p yeah. pounding or banging. Um, but people like a, like an airport has like a, a steady kind of uh subtle, like rumble to it, it that does. you can kind of forget about. It's almost yeah. like a white noise, um, but you can do it anywhere. I just always have either, you know, headphones that are buds or yeah. earplugs. Yeah. So yeah, as long as, as long as you're sitting and, um, you know, I, I meditate with, you know, driving sometimes I'll, you know, say my mantra in my head. It's a silent meditation, but, um, you know, I kind of meditate throughout the day now. Yeah. Moon does too. I, I have to sit down and to actually do it, to sit down and close my eyes and take my shoes off. And, um, it's amazing. That's awesome. Um, and then we'll be like your, 
Would you have like a top five inspirations or artists or somebody who inspired you? It could be an author, anything. I'm sure yours is diverse because you have a diverse palette of inspiration. Yeah, but the uh, David Lynch. I knew that is right on the piece of paper. Okay, David, David Lynch, Lynch yeah. uh, and the day, you know, he he wrote a book called Catching the Big Fish, um, about how tra- I forget what the subtitle. Yeah. Uh, the sec whatever it's called the secondary title it's like catching the big fish uh transcendental meditation and creativity and how tm affects creativity and that book i read it on a three-hour flight you know uh front to back damn and uh apart from being a fan of his films he got me meditating david lynch crispin glover Mm. um uh there's so many people that i um that have had such a huge influence on me. Um, Andy Warhol. Um, yeah. Awesome. And the velvet underground, that whole factory scene is amazing. Um, I mean, what did you say? Five. It's all right. Nick cave. One of yours. Nick cave is huge. I Nick cave it. is one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, Gary Oldman. Ooh. Um, Martin Scorsese. Um, yeah, a lot of, I mean, musicians filmmakers there's yeah. so many, but but nick cave david lynch crispin glover um some some women let's see um Ooh. uh i learned uh how to write a song uh ani defranco was a huge influence arithmics uh no that's annie lennox my bad sorry but she's great it's all right ani defranco is a um uh musician and yeah. uh activist who i've been a fan of since she was playing little little clubs um but her early stuff is her really stripped down stuff is amazing songwriting uh she's been a huge influence on me over the years um i know the name now no no uh there's there's yeah patty smith um there's there's so many people yeah i I know i'm gonna be driving home and remember like i should have said this that's okay yeah but yeah i get i get psyched about the things that that uh that influence me and a lot of a lot of uh, people that aren't with us anymore. Yeah. You know? uh, Ian Curtis, Joy Division. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- th- that list is huge. I mean, Andy, I guess. So yeah. Is that what still ins- is that what still inspires you to make music and the love of doing it? Is is the, these artists or is it just how you live your life like every day in inspiration? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, is it something in particular that keeps you inspired to to make new music and keep creating and making art and making music? What is that? You think? Just it's it's uh, something inside th- you. Uh, it, I mean, it, it's, it changes depending on what you're doing, but I think, um, more than anything, um, you know, the fans, the people that appreciate what I do yeah. is, is such a, uh, huge compliment and such a huge source of inspiration and drive that people other than me are enjoying this. Yeah. Uh, it makes me want to do the best that I can. Yeah. Um, which I've always wanted to do, but it definitely gives me more drive. I think within me, it's like, I'm blessed to have this career that I have. And, um, I'm the only one that's going to get me out of bed in the morning. I'm the only one that's going to pick up the guitar yeah. or the pen or the paintbrush or whatever it is. Um, even that, that's a huge inspiration that I'm my own boss. Yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah. So you inspired a lot of people, man, with your music and still continue to inspire people. And, 
inspire me and uh oh, thanks, I'm, I'm, since we married we can really get friends and I, I appreciate it. i remember every day on the warp tour no matter who was at the stage for hazen street skiba was there every fucking day and that's when we really started hanging with skiba on that warp tour and nobody in hazen street will ever forget that out of all the bands on the tour and skiba was on the fucking main stage he made it made his way to the stage every day no matter what time and chill with Hazen Street. And that was awesome, yeah. man. That was a wonderful thing. That was a thing, fun man. tour. That's awesome. Yeah. I forget, I forget what year that was either. But um, Yeah, I don't. what year is it? 2019. Yeah. I keep writing 18 on, you know, like, <laughs> I was going to say checks, <laughs> but like, who writes checks anymore? Um, well, thank you, Skiba, for your time. We've been talking about this from day one. And this is one of my closest friends. And I appreciate everything you've done for my family. And my son loves you, looks up to you, one of his favorite uncles. Sorry to uh-huh. the other uncles listening right now. These are just facts. And you've been a big part of our family. And, uh, I'm honored to be a part of it. And, you know, you guys have likewise have made my, have enriched my life. That kid, Max, who's not, he's, I can't believe how tall that guy is. <laughs> I, saw this, I know. But, I don't know if everybody's tall as you, but. But, he's uh, and tall. surfing, that's another thing. Like, yeah, dude. Uh, I took him surfing for the first time. So, yeah, you guys got me, made me that book of all those pictures of him since he was an infant. Yeah, man. You got him his first drum set, too. Got him the his first trio drum, drum set. Gave him his first surfboard. You've been the start of like a lot of like, his kickflips, his surfing, his painting, his drums. That's a huge, yeah. especially looking at the book today, all those pictures of like how small he was to now. Like there was like over 20 pictures of Ski with Max, all different times of his life. It's, it's pretty amazing, man. Yeah. I'm honored. And uh, yeah, people, you know, I've, I've known him. I mean, I wouldn't say his whole life cause he's still going and will be for a long time. But yeah, um, thus far I'm honored to be, have, to have been there for the most part if yeah. i'm home like and to have uh you know but he inspires me it's like what 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 inspires me it's like max is a big inspiration yeah and to see his the fire in his belly that's now raging for all these things yeah uh, you know keeps my keeps mine burning too i love when sometimes you post pictures people think it's like oh your kid's so cute <laughs> they think it's your kid yeah. <laughs> um all right whiskey but thank you so much for being the podcast and um you can find Matt Skiba, just Google his ass. You find him anywhere if you want to see what he's up to. And uh, the punk rock and paintbrushes, something's happening now. There's and a then, show tonight. Um, yeah. I have a show at Lethal Amounts, downtown LA. That's not punk rock and pa- paintbrushes, but um, uh, we don't have a set date yet, but that'll be early in 2020. Awesome. And then the Bad Religion tour with Alkaline Trio. That's spring, fucking yeah. amazing, man. It's going to be a good year. Yeah, man. Well, uh, happy holidays. Well, I don't know when it's going to drop. I can't say anything about holidays. You have to keep this. Happy so holidays. It's. Uh, I mean, it's. All right. Yeah. Hopefully, this will drop soon. And uh, thanks you. Thanks for being there, Skeebs. Thanks, Toby. That was fucking awesome. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe if you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast. Please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on. I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to the next one.